Just as a warning, this episode may have some content that may be deemed inappropriate for younger viewers, so with that, viewer discretion is advised. Good evening, Spookies, and welcome to another episode of D.L. Holmes Presents. You know what's really scary? I want to say mistaken identity, but um, that actually is very much in theme with what our story is about tonight. You know, especially now in the age of the internet, we live in constant fear of who's on the other end, how you never really know a person, who are we talking to on the other end of that screen, who are we texting, who's the person in our bed when we wake up that next morning. You never really know a person. But do we ever really know who we are? What our true intentions are? What it is that we truly desire? What we do when we sleep? When we're nestled in our beds at night dreaming? Are we really just laying comfortably in our beds, waiting for the sun to hit our eyes or the blaring of our alarm clocks? Or is dreaming just a way of setting ourselves to autopilot where our bodies act out our true intentions? Well, let's explore that, shall we, in our next story. Something from the third Seemingly Strange and Unusual Tales, co-written by Tiffany Pennywell and myself. A tale I like to call Alpha Waves. I missed your face. Kira's light peep bangs cascaded over her dark eyes as her hand, enveloped by the long gray sleeves of her cardigan, jumped to her mouth to eclipse her crater of a smile. Darius smirked from the other side of the screen, his eyes on fire, blushing as if his complexion would allow. He leaned in closer to the screen so that all she saw on her end was a set of rarely plump lips which caused her to lower her hand, shake with excitement as the thought of being consumed and covered by his kisses made her swoon and salivate in the small corners of her mouth. I miss you too, and us, and everything, my little mermaid. He said, blowing her a kiss at the end of the sentence, the sound echoing and coursing through her like a tremor. Kara and Dario had only met in person once. It was a day trip early July, which was the culmination of online flirtation, midnight FaceTimes, and sexting, which led to the canceling of dinner and a movie for motel orgasms and $2 menus. She ran and kissed him when they first met out of sheer shock and surprise that he'd even shown up. After looking into his eyes and kissing him again, she instantly regretted stringing him along the first few months of their engagement. It was now early autumn, and she felt herself going insane with how bad she craved his touch and attention. She'd never had a lover grip her hips with the strength he had before, while also loving her so delicately and so tender. It was as if she could literally feel him falling in love with her between breaths with every stroke inside her. He kissed her lips, and her cheeks, and her neck, and they came together while wondering where the time had gone when they looked around at the most decimated king-sized bed that was coated in sweat and secretions. She hadn't told him yet about the others, the men and women she entertained before she believed in the reality of what they were, and how 
Holly didn't matter after all, not after that first kiss, about how their car ride to the 24-hour McDonald's has come sliding down her still twitching thighs that she was actually breaking up with, blocking, and deleting people from her phone, and not just looking at memes on Tumblr. It's not that she was trying to hide it. It's that her thoughts throughout the day were consumed with him and their conversations, as well as the things she wanted to say to him, and their plans, shared hopes, and the music that she heard that reminded her of it all. Seeing his face at night in these midnight hours when she knew he was asleep and only answered because he cared and figured she needed someone to talk to, Kira needed all the distractions she could get from the night terrors. Stop it, she said, blessing. You stop. He says, smiling back at her. The terrors had gotten so much worse of late, the dread of which made her end her FaceTime call with Dario out of the awkward fumbling of words after images of the reoccurring madness flooded her for a moment. She could tell he didn't wholly believe her. So she pulled up her various tops and flashed him. Pierced like pink nipples sitting in the center of the two D-cup breasts brought a smile to Dario's face before Kira's laptop was smelled shut. Her head hitting the pillow like a brick tossed into the air over a concrete mound. That night they came again. A series of color and sounds, a cacophony of oral chaos consuming her before she was suddenly in a crowd full of people. Her anxiety was on high as she hated crowds, and no one else seemed to hear the sounds other than her or notice her as she pushed around and passed. Suddenly, the bodies of people sped up as if there was a top-speed treadmill on both sides of her, all except for one man in front of her who was swaying side to side. Kara knew it was the same dream. She couldn't help but feel the terror as she knew what was coming. The people speeding on by on both sides disappeared, and the man in front of her began moving rapidly. The scream boiling inside of her was caught in a strainer and couldn't quite boil over. The man grew closer to her, moving backwards, and she felt more paralyzed by his presence with each frigid inch. Finally, he turned, revealing a face of warping shapes and colors before Kira awoke with a scream. Shut the fuck up, you stupid slut! You weren't up all night on that goddamn computer doing god knows what! You'd sleep like a normal person! Kira's mother screamed from downstairs. Kira felt as if before this moment, it was sulfur, not oxygen. Her lungs burned, bringing her to the realization that she had been screaming for a while as her mother continued to verbal soul, which had become customary. And you better have my goddamn rent today! She bellowed up the stairs as tears formed in a corner of Kira's eyes. Kira didn't really blame her mother much for her obvious disdain. It wasn't but a year ago that she'd stolen a bunch of her mom's stuff and sold it for the last bit of meth that finally put her in recovery after running away from home. She'd gotten a wake-up call that she needed at the crimson mess from the aborted fetus that lay between her bruised thighs when she awoke at an ex-lover's house convulsing. Ex-lover because in a day she'd invited another lover over that night and knocked on the door in what she thought was her own house before all the screaming started. The rest of the night was a blur, as well as some of the following month or so of therapy and support groups and trying to make amends with people who were always strangers if she'd only been sober enough to look into their eyes more. She reached for her phone and saw she had a snap from Dario. 
She smiled at his perverted sense of humor as he'd send her a video of his dick imprint through some gray sweatpants. He'd drawn a happy face on it while making it jump. He'd even drawn a little stick arms off to the side. She snorted before hearing her mom stomp about again. Just two more weeks, she thought. She regretted leaving the house that afternoon as soon as she'd gone outside. The heat hit her. Her night terrors had always taken a toll on her, but recently these left her completely drained. She reached for her phone and almost called Dario, but told herself not to. It was always her first thought to call or message him, the slightest upset or discomfort, and she was worried that he would become sick of it, sick of her if she kept it up. She'd been messaging him since she laughed over his snap and responded with a series of soapy shower selfies. His response was his usual, praising her goddess-like form and saying how lucky the bubbles were to be getting to coat her skin. She continued walking down the street to the corner store when suddenly a loud blaring noise exploded against the sides of her head. It was as if someone had taken a heavy lead pipe and married it to her side. Though it didn't make any sense, she reached in her pocket for her phone and saw that she had several messages on her kick but couldn't see from whom. As she opened the messages, she saw a girthy, uncircumcised dick, honey-glazed in complexion, taking up most of the screen. But more disturbing was the photo above it, a picture of her with half the dick in her mouth, tears and makeup in an awkward cuddle pile right beneath her eyes as she gave two big thumbs up. Right beneath the image said, Miss me? Another message came and that said, Missing you right now. Kara threw up on the sidewalk. She didn't even have to check the date it was sent. She sent the message the morning she went to meet Dario. She met Peter in recovery, not because he was there to get better. He was trying to strengthen his clientele and happened to think that girls with a lot of piercings and tattoos fucked better, to which, honestly, she was of the same mind. Maybe that's why she liked him. He was her first sober fuck, and things felt genuine at first. At first was, however, all weak and... After that, he was just someone the message where her self-esteem was low. Someone she thought Dario would be, too. She was really torn up by the numbers and notifications she'd ignored and blocked since they first made love. She had four dates that day, whether things went well or not with him, and no intentions of becoming anyone's girlfriend. Sex was her new self-harm, and she justified by saying it wasn't as bad as drugs. Dario was different, though. Even when it was anal sex, or he spat in her face or slapped her cheeks, pushing her knees into her shoulder blades, there was still love there. She could feel it. She knew it in her soul, like some people knew Christ died on the cross. She looked down on her phone, remembering she'd silenced it after her meltdown on her way to the store. Six missed calls from Dario. Before she could press the callback button, it rang, and she just put the phone to her face. Hey, I'm really sorry if I worried you, she said before his worry tone boomed through the glass of her iPhone. Worry me? Kira, your mom called. You've been MIA for two days. Are you okay? Two days, she said before looking down at her phone and checking the date. 27 missed calls. Six were from Dario. Four were from her mother. The others were old dealers and friends with benefits. The messages, however, were disturbing. It was Peter and her in picture messages, but not with the blue side shave she had a few months. The pictures were recent, and in them she was looking at the camera again, mouth swollen with cock, and her current pink undercut and Monroe piercing she got to commemorate her and Dario's one-month anniversary. 
The message underneath read, Damn, you really did miss me, huh? Kara threw her phone, having forgotten that Daria was still on the line. She heard her mother come in through the door and start screaming. She knew already that her mother likely assumed she'd relapse, and maybe Dario had too. For the life of her, she couldn't remember what happened. She just remembered the blaring noise and being disoriented, almost like she was caught in one of her dreams. You stupid whore! You're on that shit again, aren't you? Her mother said, crashing into the room. Mom, no, I'm clean, I swear. I just, I got dizzy, and she said before being interrupted. Where the fuck were you? Your boy Dario called me at my job worried sick, her mom said, looking around the room for paraphernalia. He called you? Kira said, looking down at the floor and over to the phone that she threw. Kira's mom looked over at the phone and saw Dario's name adorned by little hearts and skulls and looked back at her daughter with disappointment. They exchanged a tense glance for a moment. Kira saw some of the rage in her mother's eyes diminish before she turned back to her and proceeded to leave her room, slamming the door and stabbing her heart with her exiting words. He's too good for you, that one. She boomed her words, bouncing around the room. Sounds and colors became intense again, and for a moment, it seemed as if the walls were running at her before her mind honed in on a single sound and the experience stopped altogether. I'm hanging up. Dario said on the other line. Kira dove from the phone, hurting her wrists in the landing. Feeling the fresh crack in the glass against her cheek, she grimaced for a minute and then shouted back against it. Don't hang up, she said with panic in her voice. There was a bit of silence that passed. She moved the phone away from her face to see if the call was still going, going, which it was. She heard him exhale a tremendous amount and was reminded of the only other time she'd heard him sigh and look at her like that. It broke her. She was overwhelmed. Tears forming in all the corners of her eyes, and his voice finally broke the silence. Kira, I don't know what's going on with you, but if you need me, let me know. I'll see you soon, he said, ending the sentence and the call at the same time. So much silence filled the room with the house, even. When she touched her phone again, there it was. The image of her and Peter from the other day. The infidelity that she couldn't remember happening. She felt sick to her stomach as she debated messaging Peter for more details, but was worried about where that may lead. Suddenly feeling weak and tired again, she made her way over to her bed and began going through the other messages in her phone. Tara gripped her throat as she saw the same message sent to her from three former lovers, all stamped not more than an hour apart from each other. She sneezed and vomited at the same time. Red chunks burning like the vibrancy of color slid from her nose and mouth and cascaded across her pillows and sheets. She uttered her only thoughts before passing out from emotional exhaustion. Oh, Dario, I'm so sorry. Kira fell into another night terror. However, this one somehow seemed more intense than the others. The sounds were so loud, she became disoriented. She forgot and she was dreaming, making the terror seem all the more real as she approached the faceless shaking man at the end. She woke the same, however, screaming in a cold sweat. Only this time her mother didn't badger her. And looking at her phone, this time she saw why. It was 1 a.m. that she'd slept for an entire day. And a half-missing four calls from Dario and several messages. She played the one voicemail that he left that afternoon and broke into tears. And his voice, he sounded lost and defeated. It's still tender and concerned. 
like he'd lost faith in her, but still wanted to believe there was some light. I don't know what's going on with you. Your mother's even worried. I know you're all on great terms, but she loves you, Kira. I love you. I want to think that you're okay, but we'll see each other soon and be fine. But I, I don't know. I guess call if you want. Later. And that was all. Crippled with anxiety and stress, Kara barely took enough time to wipe the dried vomit off her face and took to the streets walking towards the only bars that would be open at this time. She spent most of that time she needed checking her arms and in between her toes for track marks, to which she found none. She tore about her room, looking for pipes, seeds, anything to show what she was using again, anything to explain the blackouts or lost time before she left. She found nothing. Not even an empty beer can. Nothing in the room except her cold, undeniable truth. Somehow, she had been unfaithful to Dario. With no memory or sense of what her life had been the last couple of days, she walked to O'Malley's, headed around back, where she used to shoot up and give blowjobs to ex-lovers in exchange for more ways to get high. It wasn't the best place for someone in recovery to be, but Kara had felt secure in Dario's love for her, and that she felt secure in the temptations to come at night. She sat at the bench and felt the air in her chest become heavier as the tears rolled down her cheeks. How will I tell him? What will I say? Hey, your former druggy girlfriend sort of blacked out and fucked a bunch of randos and friends with benefits this week, but she totally doesn't remember it, so it's technically not cheating, right? Also, she's totally sober. She began laughing hysterically between the sobbing. She barely noticed that her laughter had begun to blend in with the cacophony of sound that was the waking nightmare she'd become privy to the last couple of days. Not before looking up at her already blurred vision, suddenly the live music from inside O'Malley's erupted in thunder as the doors pulled open and a large oozing mass of bodies enveloped both sides of her at a speed inhuman to her knowledge of physics and bodily movement. She stood awkwardly amidst it all, trembling with the sound and disaster of colors, finding it harder to breathe, as one large honey-brown mass began moving towards her, its jaw agape in a large toothy smile, tongue draped loosely from one side as its mouth shuffled towards her. Kira motioned to scream but couldn't grasp enough oxygen to make a sound. Instead, she tumbled over as the creature shuffled to her faster. She felt around on the ground and found a bottle which seemed to vibrate to her touch. She cracked it against the earth, releasing a sound that jolted through her, striking all the sensations. And as the creature lay its hand upon her, she jabbed forwards, stabbed it as it spewed its loose brown blood all over her. Her arm became robotic in its motion, stabbing forwards over and over again as the creature hunched over, decreasing in size, and the sounds and colors began to fade away. Kira found strength and joy in the act as she began laughing as the creature continued to shrink in size with each jolting thrust she shot forwards. Her joy was shattered as the familiar sounds shook her and shocking reality was unprepared to face. Kira, what have you done? She looked up to see Dario. Next day is Grey PT Cruiser. She looked down to see Peter. Dead at her feet. She looked inward as a flood of memories came to her. Memories from the lost time, the messages, the phone calls, telling Alex to meet her at the grocery store and fucking him in the bathroom that day, him leaving and texting her ex Martha that she was sick of men and needed a cleaning, 
sending her a photo of Alex's cum dripping down her thighs, fucking Martha in the backseat of her Jeep Cherokee in the parking lot and taking a quick snap for Tiz to send to Peter, who would be the last in line after two more lovers to bed with her that day, falling asleep at his place and telling him in the morning to meet her behind the bar on Thursday, tonight, where she was now covered in his blood. It was like watching a bad movie. Even as Dario approached her and looked down at Peter's body and then at her, she stood there wondering how she got there, how she could have fucked things up so badly. Dario, however, shocked her as he went down to Peter's body and began to lift him. Help me get him in the trunk, he said. She looked around and saw that there was no one else outside. Of course there wasn't. This is all in her head, right? At least the hallucination was. He looked up at her. And she reached around and helped him lift. They shuffled until they reached the trunk, tossed his body in, got into the car and drove away. Dario was quiet most of the car ride. Kira couldn't find the words, or broke the silence with a tone she'd never heard from him, and the words she never imagined she'd hear. I've known Peter for three years. I knew you were talking to him when we first met. I'd assumed you were sleeping with him the whole time. I'd I already planned on surprising you before your mom said she was worried about you before he sent me the pictures. She shuddered at the word. Pictures. She could only imagine what they were. Likely the ones she sent him. Worse, they were probably the ones she didn't remember taking until ten minutes ago. She felt a flush of anger. She didn't mean to, but she yelled. Then why pretend, Dario? Why pretend to love me if you knew? Am I just a side piece to you? Huh? She said furious, crying. There was so much going on, so much to grasp. She cheated. Maybe she'd been cheating the whole time. Regardless of any of that, she just killed someone. She never really cared much for Peter, but still, she never really wanted anything bad to happen to him either. She started to cry. She couldn't help it. But then she felt Dario's hand grab hers and continue to drive. I've never pretended once. I do love you. I guess... I always just thought you were better. I still think you can be better, he said. She sobbed. I'm trying. I really am. I, I haven't been sleeping. I was afraid of the nightmares, and I just wanted to stay awake and talk to you, and I guess... She said before Dario cut her off. It doesn't matter. I'm here now. We just need... We just need to get through this, okay? He said. She didn't know. She didn't know anything. She didn't know what happened or why. Who was his man, Dario, was that he was willing to drive around with a girl who had much to offer but stress and grievance while his friend was murdered in the trunk. She only knew with certainty that he was sincere and that she loved him more than anything. She also knew exactly where to go from here. I know a place, a place where we can put this part behind us and all we'll have after is the guilt and the truth, she said. Dario was silent for a moment. There was no question she meant a place to hide the body, something she'd learned getting high from just the right people or the wrong people, depending on who you ask. The truth, he asked. Forever and always. And each other. 
if you want me, she said. Dario squeezed her hand and then let it go to hand her the GPS. She plugged it into the center console. She put in the coordinates and told him that they'd have to ditch the GPS when they were done. They drove for an hour and a half to a place most people would never find and drove many hours after, never being found by anyone but each other. To find love at the end of oblivion. What bliss. What a gift. To have someone accept us for our true selves. Not the first interview. Not the Instagram model. Not the who we want to be. But who we are when no one's looking. Who we are when we're unaware. What a frightening concept, yeah? To not know for sure if your memories, if your feelings are yours. It's scary. The idea of being lost inside yourself, lost inside your own mind, or someone else's. Do they only remember to sell that old, uh, that old horror movie that came out in the uh, 2000s psychological thriller? Starring Jenny from the Block. Um, it's actually director debut of Tarsem Singh. Uh, he also did Selfless, which is a film that came out. Um, stars Ryan Reynolds and Ben Kingsley. All kind of carries the same theme. Of being trapped within yourself. Or yourself being another person. And how many of us actually experience that in our daily lives? Like, are we what we do? Are you the nine to five that you work? Are you the person everybody that clocks in with you knows you as? Are you the person in your profile picture? Not is your profile picture you, but are you that person? Are you that smile? Are you that jovial being? Are you that presentable? Are you that approachable? On first meeting, physically, emotionally, do you wear your heart on your sleeve? Are you the poetry and the quotes that you retweet or reblog? Really? You know what comes to mind? Uh, you ever see the movie Unsane? Came out in 2013. Paramount amongst films, if you had me, because uh, the entire thing was shot on iPhone 7. That was directed by Steve Soderbergh, and I love that guy because he did my favorite trilogy of gentlemen thieves the oceans uh trilogy with uh brad pitt and uh you know that great cast of characters the late bernie mac matt damon anyway unsane explores the idea of is the reality that we perceive uh really the reality that we're in um, that's a truly frightening film and then again a frightening concept because what if, uh, what if our thoughts and our feelings aren't so based in the reality that we think they are? What if we are living something else? It sounds very Matrix, doesn't it? But there's a quote that I say often, and it's something that I tell myself, uh, it helps me get through my daily life. I remind myself all the time that how you feel is not always how things are. 
um, a feeling, an emotion that has been invoked in you by uh, an occurrence, an incident, um, something that's happened is not necessarily the situation that you're in. Frightening to think that that can count for big and deep feelings too, right? Terror, trauma, love. That these feelings that grip us so tightly, so intensely, these feelings that consume us, that rule our action and everything that we do and everything that we are, are not necessarily the reality that we exist within. Uh, a, a gem, a blue little piece of uh, cinema, B-rated film that I love, Ripper, Letter from Hell. It's a Canadian-British film. Um, the movie is essentially about a Jack the Ripper copycat that comes through and is killing people that have the same initials as the original victims of Jack the Ripper. But one of the uh, the cast members of the movie, uh, played by A.J. Cook from Final Destination 2, you'd recognize her if you saw her, um, she survives another serial killer attack in her youth. And so there's a sense of paranoia that she carries with her as it's happening and intensity and that this is somehow related and it's hard not to relate your trauma to what you're presently going through those feelings are the same but when you watch this movie you, you come to start to understand that um there are some things that are related and there are some things that are not and it's got a great twist um it was straight to dvd actually i remember the critics said that they thought it was pompous but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a classic, and there sticks to the theme. And these are the themes that influence this story. Uh, actually, more so this film uh, very much sticks out of my head, Ripper Letter from Hell. So if you can find it somewhere, I don't know, maybe on Tubi, uh, check it out. But it was the idea and concept that something horrible that we're going through may not be the experience that we feel that we are having because that's scary. Like, nobody likes being told that they're crazy. Nobody likes being gaslit. That's a big phrase people throw around. Being gaslit is bad, but what if you really are overreacting? What if you really are being crazy in that situation, but you can't see it because everything you feel is exactly what you feel. It feels real. That pain feels real. Those, those high intense emotions feel real. And to think that they're not. It's scary because like, what are you feeling then? Scarier still. What aren't you feeling? I think that's scary enough to think about on its own. So I won't leave you all with too much of a closing argument or thought. If I were to ask a question, as time goes on, we get better understandings of the things we've been through in our life and the things we've experienced. So ask yourself tonight before you lay down with your, with your new perspective on a situation that felt dire. Was it really as bad as you thought it was? 
Or was it somehow so much worse? And hey, if it was, you're here with me tonight. You survived it. You're stronger. You're better. Here you are. And I'm glad you're here. You should be too. So with that, thank you. Thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you for listening to this episode. And tune in next week for another episode of D.L. Holmes Presents. As always, erotic nightmares. <laughs>